When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch. Now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Joined by my friend today, Michael Crawford, who's not been on the show in a long time, but is always one of our favorite guests. Michael, how are you doing? Doing well. Can't complain at all, Ken. Thanks for having me back on. It uh, has been way too long, uh, but I've been kind of keeping my ear to uh, the pod you've been putting out. And as usual, uh, it's just been a bunch of great content. Thanks, Michael. I really appreciate that. Uh, we've got a topic today. Everybody's kind of been waiting for. We've gone through all the previews on the team. The last one remaining is the quarterback position. I'm sure the most fun to talk about. Uh, you know, you and I talked about rev- when we reviewed Lamar's 2019 season and had all sorts of fun things to talk about. Broke it up actually into two shows that were probably about three and a half hours in total length when he did it. But uh, we promised to keep this to a shorter, uh, a shorter preview time today. And uh, you know. Where do you start with the reigning MVP? I'll let you uh, lead us off, Michael. Well, for me, I, I think as you're looking forward, um, I think you 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 wonder, uh, can he do it again? Can he do anything near what he did? Can he can he do more than what he did? Um, so there definitely are some some uh, some areas for improvement. I think even with the unanimous MVP, even with all the records, even with the 14 and two regular season. Um, you know, uh, win total. I, I think if you just listen to Lamar and his coaches, and we've heard these things recently as as they've gotten back and, and are getting ready to start training camp, uh, and, you know, padded practices anyway on Monday, uh, he talked about being more accurate on deep throws and connecting on more deep throws, uh, hitting more 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 shots outside the numbers, 
Uh, you heard Lamar say that specifically. You heard the coaches say that specifically. So uh, I think when you look at that, to me, though, that that tells me a couple of things. I think it tells me, one, that uh, they probably, if, if they were willing to share this with you, probably have some real specific plays, opportunities from last year in mind that they're like, oh, man, we really had a chance there. And then, two, I think that they know going forward, uh, you've got to make defenses respect those areas of the field. Right. Uh, if, if they know that they can kind of take the short to intermediate areas of the field and pass coverage in terms of depth and then the middle of the field, just in terms of location and kind of really condense uh, your offense that way. Uh, obviously, that's not a good thing. Uh, you don't want to be limited in that way. So um, I, I think that that would be where I would probably start just because those are things that that, you know, uh, Lamar and the coaches have pointed to themselves. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's because they, they pointed to it, and I know I don't want to just be, be bickery about this uh, kind of thing. I think your second explanation was better. Just basic football, particularly for a speed offense, make them respect every, make them defend every corner of that field from your offense. And and it gives you more space to work with. They always say offense needs space. Uh, couldn't be more true than with Lamar at quarterback and, and, and the other dangerous speed weapons the Ravens can present around him. Uh, just a uh, that's the way you know it's just natural to show up Lamar going outside the numbers you mentioned um Brandon Brandon sorry Brandon Boykin Miles Boykin is a player we've talked about a lot this offseason as being one of the keys to the to the offense going forward uh is there are there some other outside receivers you think that present the same set of opportunity for Jackson to to connect with outside the numbers yeah, I, I think um, Miles is certainly a, a, a good name to bring up, and I think everyone is is kind of looking for a little bit more uh, from him this year in in the passing game, including himself. I mean, obviously, he's a wide receiver. He wants to be involved as much as he can be and and make plays as a wide receiver, not just as a as a blocker in the run game, which he, he did really well last year. Uh, but look, I, I guess I'd be burying the lead if I didn't mention Hollywood's name, right? I mean, everybody's seen the workout videos all offseason long. <laughs> uh, uh, everybody knows that uh, he's uh, reportedly fully healthy now after having the screw removed from his foot. And so, um, you know, we, we've heard him talk about how he wasn't anywhere close to full speed last year. And he still, you know, put up some respectable numbers, I think, maybe more than respectable uh, for rookie season. Uh, but now having a fully healthy Hollywood, a bigger, stronger Hollywood to really stretch defenses um, down the middle or outside the numbers, because uh, that was the question that you asked me. I mean, I think he, he certainly has the capability to do that, too. Um, we talked about Boykin. There's some guys deeper, maybe in the wide receiver group who are, are kind of a little bit unknown, you know, your Antoine Wesley's, uh, you know, guys, uh, who have that physical profile in, in terms of height, um, uh, and, and, and weight to, to play outside the numbers. Um, and then you have, uh, you know, some of the, the guys that they took just this year, your Devin DuVernay, your James Prochet, who are more slot type guys, I think mm -hmm. is, is probably what most people would think. Uh, but then, you know, you, you don't necessarily know uh, that they can't play outside, right, or they won't get some of those opportunities. But that whole outside the numbers thing to me, and I'm glad we we, we touched, we, we sort of framed it this way by talking about the wide receivers, is because it really is a combination, right? It's, it, it's about Lamar, and it's about, you know, some mechanical things that he needs to continue to work on to be able to, to be accurate uh, to those parts of the field. But he also needs guys to make plays for him out there. He needs guys that he can trust will be in the right place when they're supposed to be there, um, you know, and make adjustments based on coverage. So it's, it's really a combination uh, in, in terms of what can uh, sort of push him to, to be better in those parts of the field. Yeah. I, I, one of the interesting topics I read about this offseason was the, the four vertical route concepts on a, on a single play and how the Ravens actually can run five, because their dump off option, you know, their outlet option when you run four verts, normally would be a running back in that spot. It's actually Lamar. He can he can just take off and run the ball, so they can actually run five vertical routes. Now, there is a real question as to whether there's room to run five vertical routes on the field in the way you would think of it as as straight nine routes. They wouldn't all be, but they'd be you know deeper routes for all five receivers. Is the point that's uh, that's being made there? But uh, you think back to the most famous four vert route in Raven history is the mile high miracle throw to Jacoby Jones. So yeah. uh, I, I thought that was interesting. I thought that, that it definitely is something 
that I would like to see more of from the Ravens. But probably the most interesting thing, and you mentioned what Roman has been saying, is that the character this offense will take in terms of the choice they make between being a no-huddle offense and a multiple personnel grouping offense. Because you have you can be neither if you want to do that, but you have if you want one of those two, you can only choose one. You can't be both. Just to explain briefly, obviously, if you're playing the no-huddle, I know you know this, Michael, but if you play the no-huddle, you have to stay with the same 11 personnel, or when you make changes, the defense gets to respond with changes. So you often see the, the umpire, the referee, forget who it is, actually you know, put his feet over the ball and, and, and delay the snap to allow defensive changes to occur uh, when that happens. So if you want to run multiple personnel groupings, which is what I associate with the Saints of the 2010s, and shuttle in four or even five new uh, skilled personnel players, because your linemen are going to stay the same play to play uh, each play, then you can do that. Um, but you can't no huddle with that. And the other alternative is to is to run a no huddle, run a faster paced offense. I think Lamar's particular skill set and what he does, you wear a defense down much faster by shuttling on fresh legs play by play. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think, um, you know, that that's probably predominantly the way they operated last year. Right. I, oh, yeah. I don't think they did. They, did yeah, they didn't run no huddle at all. Yeah, unless they were, you know, in the in the half in the game situation, something like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think if you follow Roman, uh, you know, throughout his history, you know, going back to Buffalo, going back to San Francisco, um, I, I think you'll see kind of a trend there to be a multiple personnel. You kind of want to major in that, you know, uh, as opposed to no huddle. Um, I think. You could sprinkle some of it in. Um, I think we've seen it with the Patriots in the past where, you know, maybe uh, they want to do it at certain points of the game. Right. And uh, maybe on a particular drive where they've got a personnel grouping in and, um, you know, they're they're calling a certain set of plays or maybe even giving Brady a couple of plays. We saw this with Peyton Manning, too, at the line. They can kind of check in and out of plays. And if you hit a couple, right, you hit that first one, maybe that second one, then you say, OK, come on, let's go. Let's just go fast. Right. And just for that drive, you sort of just operate it that way. And then maybe uh, you score a touchdown, field goal, whatever. Uh, in the next series, maybe you go back to more of your more, you know, multiple personnel shuttling guys in and out. To me, I, I like that approach just because. I think that gives defenses more to prepare for, right? Even with multiple personnel, that's a lot to prepare for, certainly on its own. Sure. But I think when you combine that with, hey, we're going to throw in some tempo too, maybe one or two times a game, then that's something you also got to think about um, as a defensive play caller. Because to your point, once they get you into that mo- in that situation where they're just going fast and they're not giving you time to substitute because they can't substitute themselves, your calls get limited. Right. As a, as, a, as a as a defensive coordinator, you don't have the full menu of, uh, of, of play calls available to you sometimes because of the, the, the pace. So I like that that concept of having a little bit of both. Certainly, though, to your point, you got to major in one. I agree with that. Well, yeah, I, I completely agree that you always want to have an off speed pitch you can go to. So the, so the, the having the being able to change pace, always a nice thing if you can if you can do it and, and seamlessly do it. You know, I don't know what Jackson's working on in terms of any necessary simplifications of the playbook. That really seemed to be more of a 2018 thing and not as much in 2019. I still don't think they're they're, um, uh, I I, I, I really can't say, honestly, I'm really not in a position to say whether or not they're using a, a playbook that is simplified in terms of terminology still. Uh, right. Just to make it a little easier in terms of calling it. it is one of the things I want to see from Lamar is for him to become a, a better quarterback at the line of scrimmage, uh, a guy who automatically knows where the hot read is. We saw some of that. In, I'm thinking of Sneed's touchdown at L.A. being well underscored by Dan Orlovsky in terms of being a great read at the line of scrimmage. I want to see other great reads that occur when somebody blitzes that he's not expecting. And I think he has the instinctive nature to know how he can take advantage of that in taking off. But I do want to also see it in terms of where's the open guy now. Yeah, I agree with you on that, too. That that would definitely be on my list of, OK, where could he make some improvements in 2020? And that pre-snap game, that pre-snap phase of the game. I definitely think there that that might be the area where there's the biggest room for growth, maybe uh, out of all these potential areas, because 
you know, we, we you just got to look at kind of where he is, right, in his growth um, as a as a QB, right? We know what he did in 2018, coming in the middle season. We know what he did last year, but he's going into his second full season um, after his first full season in that offense, right? Uh, Roman was on the staff back in 2018, and he certainly had a had a, a big hand, I think, in a lot of the things that they were doing, especially once Lamar became the starter. But it's not the same, right, as as calling the plays and having your full offense completely designed around Lamar. We saw that last year, right, first year, and look at what they did. So I think as you go into the second year, though, I think those opportunities to, uh, you know, see more things at the line of scrimmage. One thing um, that I was probably a little critical of, uh, about him of last year was maybe not always seeing the blitz to the point that you mentioned. You know, there was some times where it just looked like he didn't see it. He didn't recognize it pre-snap, almost didn't recognize it after the snap. I mean, of course, he he, he did at some point because he was able to elude it or, or, or you know, get, get, get the ball out of his hands. But there were times just in terms of how he would take his drop where if, you know, just visualize like he's got uh, a slot corner blitzing off the left side of the line, right? Mm -hmm. And he takes his drop and he drops straight back. It's almost, you know, mostly when you see quarterbacks, they get that kind of pressure. They tend to slide a little bit to their right just to buy a little time because they feel that pressure. They know that pressure is coming. So they just want to buy themselves a little more time just by sliding to their right. He, He didn't at times, just a straight drop back. And then he would like catch that guy out of his peripheral sort of at the last minute. And then, you know, he'd make these amazing improvisational plays because he's, he's gifted with that. But I'd like to see a little bit more of recognizing that beforehand, um, you know, knowing where you need to throw hot in those situations. And then also maybe making some checks, more some more checks at the line. Not saying he didn't do it. I'm not going to go back to the whole Joe Flacco thing about, oh, he doesn't audible. <laughs> I'm not saying that Lamar doesn't audible or check plays at the line, but just as he gets more comfortable and uh, gets a better understanding of how defenses are trying to play him, that he's able to sort of play that chess game, you know, sort of move away from the checkers game and play the chess game and really find some ways to make adjustments and attack them even, even more than they did last year. Okay. Great topic. Guys. There's so much I want to respond to in that last, in that last statement, but I'll try and I'll try and check myself on some of that. I, I you know, one of the things that I, I really loved about Lamar last year was that I thought he did really feel pressure well from the left side when Ronnie Stanley was giving ground in the pocket. They are just so, they work so well together in terms of what Stanley does well as a pass blocker. And he does, he, he, he sacrifices ground in the pocket in order to keep himself between the defender and Lamar. And Lamar works extremely well with that in terms of feeling the pressure from that side, moving right or moving up as necessary in the pocket. We also saw a fair amount of the time that that, uh, edge defender on that side would create a pressure, particularly the Arizona game. If you go back and look at that, he spun out of pressure from a Stanley side two, three times in that game for big gains. Uh, and, and it really, it was, a, it was a regular thing. So I was going back to your slot receiver thoughts. I'm thinking, okay, you know, I, I agree. Always a fast unblocked pressure is the way to try and get to a player like Lamar, but haven't we also seen Lamar escape those kind of pressures and just spin out of that contact and make a play? But uh, but anyway, I, I it's it's something that I really appreciated about what he did in 2020 was to was to feel that backside pressure specifically, uh, blindside pressure, let's call it, and and uh, and be able to move without actually looking in Stanley's direction to see it. Yeah, no, we we definitely saw that, uh, <laughs> whether it's the Arizona game or, or, I mean, you could probably pick a handful of other games uh, where he did that because uh, the guy is just amazing in that way. So, no, I, I won't disagree with you on that either. I, I think I've been watching the Titans game more recently, and so I've got some of those visuals uh, in my head where I, I think he was a little a little later than I'd like to see uh, on, on some plays, you know, recognizing uh, some pressure when they were still bringing it. Obviously, as the game went on, they had a lead and they didn't have to bring a ton of pressure. They could just sit back in coverage. But uh, no, that it's a risk for sure uh, with him if you bring that pressure that way uh, and he sees it in the way that you know he and, and Stanley sort of complement each other that you described. It, it's a it's a huge rich uh, uh, excuse me a huge risk uh, defensively because if he spins out, uh, there's usually nobody else out there for quite a while. <laughs> All right. What's your feeling on the number of zone reads we'll see this year uh, as as the 
you know, the really the, the, the standard pistol zone read they've been running all this, you know, of 2020, do you think we'll still see that kind of the same number of those? Or do you think we're going to see a more varied game? I'd, I'd like to see a more varied game. I think it's hard to say um, what I expect to see. Right. I can tell you what I'd like to see, but I, I, I'm not I'm not as comfortable in what I think they'll do. I, I would think that they'd want to get away from some of it only because um, based on what the defense gives you in terms of, 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 a, of a look, um, you know, there's there's opportunities for Lamar to carry the ball. And, you know, if I stop right there, you'd say, well, that how is that ever a bad thing? Uh, it's it's typically not. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, at, at, at some point. Um, you know, yes, he's young. Yes, he's athletic. And, and, and we love all of those things. But at some point, I think you do want to limit some of that. Right. Some of the some of the design runs, the intentionally um, sort of design runs, whether you're doing that in 2020. Is it too soon for that? That's harder to say. That's why I said I'm a little I'm a little less sure of, of, of what to say in terms of expectation. But I think if they're going to keep four running backs. Right. If that's what happens. And, and they have four running backs active on game day. And I, I don't know if that'll happen. Let's say if that happens, then I think you're at least in a position where you don't have to call as much of, of that particular thing. Maybe you still do some of the QB counter. Maybe you still do some of the power read. Uh, but some of the zone read stuff, I, I think you might want to pull back on it just a little bit because I think teams are going to come up with more sort of boutique and designer ways that they want to handle that. Where, you know, a defense can basically force who they want to keep the ball on that play, right? Just just sort of by pre-snap alignments and things they do after the snap. If they want the quarterback to keep the ball every time on that play, they can set it up so that that happens. Now, whether you want Lamar to have the ball in his hand or not as a defense, that's another question. Um, but you can certainly set things up that way and feel like, all right, well, we're, we're, we're taking a little bit of a gamble because it's Lamar, but maybe we want to try to get some hits on him, too. Yeah, well, what you're talking about is is one of the reasons why I don't think that Lamar or the Ravens offense is going to be as good this year as it was last year. It's just there are so many ways in which opposing defenses can game plan to stop what Lamar is really good at. And there's relatively less that Lamar can do to become greater himself uh, because he was at such a historic level last year. So was the Ravens offense. Uh, I, I just I think there were too many stars aligned last year in terms of the things that went right, uh, the, the some of the surprise of what was going on, some of the big leads the Ravens had to work with. Um, you know, obviously, those were built up by the offense predominantly in terms of their uh, uh, you know, ability to put points on the board. But I, th- I still think the defenses in the in the AFC North in particular, but in the, in the NFL in general, have more catching up to do. And, and they'll generally will make up more of that ground in one year than what Lamar can put on in terms of extra ability of his own in, the, in in year three. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think kind of circling back to one of the earlier points we made, I think that's what really emphasizes being able to hit more of those deep shots down the field, more shots outside the numbers because of what you just said, right? You you want to try to force the defense into doing things that they, 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 they haven't prepared for as much. Obviously they prepare for a lot of things throughout the week, but to your point about, getting more of a read and positioning yourself as a defense to try to take away the things that Lamar does well. Well, if Lamar starts to do the things that he didn't do as well, now you kind of have to back off stopping some of the things that he does do well and try to account for these new things. Right. And so now you kind of move the ball back into your court. So I think that's, that's one of the reasons why there really is, um, you know, uh, some, some room for growth there because it can kind of help, uh, the teams that really are probably already planning to take that approach. Right. Well, hopefully, you know, part of this is in developing more dangerous weapons around Lamar. And I wouldn't say they were undangerous weapons, but honestly, there was some disappointment in the skill position players last year. Uh, Hollywood was not at 100%. I think we know that. Miles Boykin, I thought he had a, a pretty damn disappointing preseason in terms of his ability to hang on to the ball. Some of that lasted into the regular season. Though his catch rate was not terrible. Um, but, you know, been over this with, with uh, another guy from the RSR boards, Jim Zipcode, who'd looked at every, every single one of his targets for the year. And one of the things that keeps showing up is that Boykin had some real troubles with route running as well. It wasn't just a matter of, not catching the ball. And there was some of that as well, uh, even during the regular season. So hopefully 
the players around him, I hope, are all going to take a step forward in what they can do. I think with Dobbins and Ingram, I think they have, have an even better set of running backs. I did want to address your point earlier. I do think they're only going to be three active running backs on game day. That would just be my guess. I don't see Hill. They, first of all, they have to find seven guys to be inactive every week. right? So it, it becomes harder to, to, to keep four running backs. But I think they'll intend to keep them on the roster for that. Um, anyway, with, without going too far down this road, I just I think having each of those be more dangerous options, whether it's Duvernay, who I expect to be a pretty significant part of the offense, getting Andrews' catch rate improved, and Andrews um, uh, to not create interceptions by dropping the football. I mean, Andrews had an under 60% catch rate after week two last year. That's just mm-hmm. unacceptable for a tight end. Yeah. And uh, you know, they've let their best patch ca- pass catcher go in Hayden Hurst. So they've, they've got to try and figure out who can they get who's a, who's a player there. Unfortunately, whoever they get is not going to be a really dangerous player, I don't think. Whether it's Wolf or Adams or uh, Scarf, their third tight end is not going to be a particularly dangerous tight end in terms of his ability to make plays after the catch. Yeah, there's definitely going to be a drop-off there. And, and people can say what they want about Hayden Hurst being a first-round player and not maybe living up to whatever their expectations were of him. And probably, of, you know, honestly, he, you know, his own expectations. I think he's talked about that. Um, so I don't I don't think I'm, I'm saying anything out of school with that. But, yeah, I, I think whoever they replace him with of the group of people that you mentioned, uh, there's definitely going to be a drop-off there. But then back to your point about hoping to see some progression from the other guys around Lamar, that, that kind of ties back in to, to what I was saying earlier about last year being not only Lamar's first year in that offense, but these other guys that we talked about, their first year in this offense. And some of them, not just their first year in that offense, their first year in the NFL. So, you know, there, there's, there's room for growth on, on a lot of different levels uh, from these guys around Lamar. Um, you know, there, there's no guarantee you're always going to see it. We, we certainly know that about other skilled, skilled players from, from days gone by. Uh, but, but you're hopeful. Right. And, and the things that you see in the offseason, uh, I try not to put a ton of stock in the workout videos and stuff like that. But it's at least encouraging to see that guys are working on specific things uh, and, and getting themselves in the best shape that they can possibly be in. Uh, so they have an opportunity to kind of hit the ground running. Yeah, the, the, it's a great point to make that this remains an extraordinarily young offense. And while it's get got a little more expensive this year, not a whole lot more because they didn't get a new quarterback contract. They didn't get a new left tackle contract. Um, it's, it's a lot of the same guys still, but they have a little more money spent on a player like Ricard, say, for example. Actually, the unloaded Yonda. So maybe it's, a, it's even a less expensive offense this year. point I'm making is for, for productivity per dollar spent, last year was an absolutely historic season. In NFL history, I doubt there's been a better offense per cap dollar spent, cap, uh, relative cap dollars. You know what I mean? Yeah. The cap was a lot lower a long time ago. So anyway, yeah. but but uh, you know it's it's just was set such an outrageous level in terms of points per drive per cap dollar spent. Um, I don't think they can they can match that this year. But they're being young, they do have a lot of players who can surprise you on the upside, and. You know, I I, I kind of have to discount the thing, but a 27-year-old player even, or a 28-year-old player, exponentially less likely to give you an upside surprise than a 23- or a 24-year-old player. Yeah, true. That's very that's very true. Uh, and, and they certainly have youth um, on their side. Um there's there's one thing you mentioned in there when you when you mentioned Yonda's name, it sort of just put this into into my head. I know this is an offensive line preview, but that if if there's any area that I'm probably the most concerned about on offense, maybe the team overall, uh, that would be it. Uh, the interior of the offensive line and the the potential that that has uh, in terms of how it could negatively impact um, the how the offense performs. I, I'm encouraging, you know, I'm encouraged. I, they, they've, they've got guys there, um, you know, they're not all rookies or anything like that. I mean, you've got some guys who, who've had a couple of years under their belt. Uh, you got Bozeman, who's got now a whole year under his belt at left guard. We'll see what happens there. You bring in Fluker. But that just is something that uh, uh, if, if people said, well, man, there's so, there's so many reasons to be optimistic about the Ravens. And there are offense and defense. But that that's the one area uh, where I, I maybe have a little bit of concern. <laughs> 
Okay. You know what? I'm going to toss out another area of concern because I think I'm more concerned about tackle and what would happen if anything happened to either of those guys, but in particular, oh. Ronnie Stanley. Uh, the offensive line, it, it's, they have a lot of people to choose from, from whom I'm actually pretty secure that there are three solid NFL starters. I just don't know exactly who they are on the interior. Okay. From, from, the, from that group of Powers and Fluker and Skura now back today, you know, or back on Monday, into yeah. practice and uh uh bozeman maybe mccary uh you, know, you, you have you certainly have people that that are reasonable possibilities and then you add a couple of rookies into that you've got some extra depth uh i i just it would surprise me if they will not act as decisively as necessary this season to get the right five guys on the line it seems to be set right now to me that it's going to be bozeman skura fluker across the inside but it's, it would surprise me greatly if that doesn't work and they don't quickly move away from it yeah and that's a good you you make a good point you make a really good point about the tackles um and so I, I probably should have brought that out by saying the offensive line in general because that's a concern too and like you said maybe when you when you explain it the way that you just did maybe even a, a, a bigger concern uh because you know who who is who are the tackles Behind. They don't. They only have two on the roster listed. There's yeah. only two guys yeah. listed on the roster to tackle, and they have. This is interesting because we got to talk about this, Michael. It's I, it's me loving talking football with you, being so long. We're doing a Lamar thing here. I realize, but <laughs> I, let I me just go. Time. Let me just go off on offensive tackles for a second. Um, Parker Andrew has five snaps in his career at right tackle. That's 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 the his set of experience. Fluker played there for two seasons, and he finished one other game four years ago there. They have another guy on the roster who I, I'd kind of forgotten about, but he's there, and I believe he's going to be the, the, the left tackle with the twos in, in camp. And it'll be really interesting to see how this lines up. But it's Will Holden, who played mm. very ineffectively and is now on his seventh organization after a three-year career to date. He's draft pick in 2017, the fifth round for Arizona, played very poorly there at left tackle. And now is uh, is you know might be getting a rebirth, although the Ravens have him listed as a guard. Yeah, you're definitely playing with fire there. <laughs> you're, definitely, you're definitely playing with fire, not just because of the always present risk of injury, but you know, look, quite frankly, in the the environment that we're in with COVID nineteen, you know, that's 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 another real real factor here, where you know, God forbid, you don't want any of the guys uh, to to contract that. But if they do, if it's one of those starting tackles, then um, and they, they have to sit out for a game um, or longer, God forbid. Uh, the guys that you just mentioned, it's it's you, you're you're playing with fire. Uh, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> you think? Do you think the Ravens will have an unusual amount of focus to be of less risk in that, or do you think it's a league-wide risk? And even if they avoid the clubs and whatever other things that they might do to not socially distance themselves properly that the other team might not, and they're playing in such close proximity, it'd be very difficult to avoid the virus. It's an interesting question. Um, I lean toward it being, a, you know, sort of a league-wide risk, but you, you, you I don't know, you, you'd be almost a little, um, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? It'd be almost a little irresponsible, I think, to not be a little concerned with it um, if you're the Ravens at certain positions, like all teams probably are at certain positions. And and, and each team obviously knows that position, um, you know, for, for their club. But, yeah, I, I think – I mean, look, I'm, I'm sure they're probably trying to look at, at getting maybe some other guys in here uh, who could play tackle. Um, you know, there's, there's usually something working behind the scenes that we don't we don't necessarily know about. But, yeah, I, I don't know. that That's – you know, you, I started on this this interior line thing, and now you got me all freaked out about these tackles. <laughs> well, let me ask a question in a different way. How much do you think Lamar's performance in 2020 might suffer from having personnel at any position on offense around him that are not as consistent? In in. I think it could be a bigger factor in the passing game than the run game. And I know uh, I've taken some criticism for for making this this or arguing this before, but it's because I do it in a way where I'm, I'm not trying to detract from the ability of the offensive lineman when I say this. But in the run game, because of many of the concepts that they use, 
you know, guys sometimes don't have, you know, a block that has the same level of difficulty as guys have in other offenses who don't have as many QB driven run elements in their offense. That's just my percent. Correct. That's just just my opinion. Um, I guess yours too. Sounds like yours too. Yes. Uh, (laughs) So in the running game, I, I don't know that it's as big an issue as big of an issue. In the passing game where you don't have as many of those advantages, I mean, you, you've got to drop back and you've got to block a guy, right? If, it, if it's straight drop back, we're not talking about play action or anything deceptive, but a straight drop back pass situation. You know, there's, there's nowhere to hide uh, in any, you know, in, in a lot of cases. You can you can keep a back end, you can keep a tight end in, but then you're limiting the number of eligibles that get out. You can help guys with chips, and we've seen that. We've seen the Ravens help even even um, you know Ronnie and, and Orlando Brown Jr. with chips from tight ends and receivers. So we've seen that. There are things you can certainly do, uh, but I think it it would it would definitely show up more in the passing game. Yeah, you, you need you need some guys, and I think it's particularly on the interior that can be stout enough to anchor and not compromise the the, the pocket there. But on the edges, I mean. Lamar compromises the edge rushers by forcing them to use more controlled rush lanes and not give away everything. So, I mean, the, the, the statistics speak for themselves. And we've talked about this a fair number of times. So he only had 23 sacks for 106. That is so drastically different from other running quarterbacks, quote unquote, of the same type in NFL history. I mean, Wilson gets uh, gives up a lot of sack yards. Randall Cunningham is like the most sacked quarterback of all time. Michael Vick got sacked plenty. But Lamar Jackson last year, 23 sacks for minus 106. And when you combine those with his scrambles, he averaged 5.0 yards per play for the regular season and postseason combined. 5.0. Now, compare that. Uh, Russell Wilson, who's one of the most elusive you know, guys to, to get away from the pocket anybody's ever seen, 1.0 yards. And most quarterbacks are negative, of course. They have more sack yards than they have scramble yards. That uh, you 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 mentioned that to me before, and every time I hear it, it just kind of blows my mind like the first time I ever heard it. Um, but when you describe all that, now it kind of swings me back the other way because then maybe you can make the same argument in pass protection, right? I was saying, well, I think it might show its face a little bit. It might, it might show up a little bit more in pass protection. But because of what you just mentioned, and because mm-hmm. you do have to rush Lamar in a different way, um, maybe you can get by, um, even even in even in the passing game with guys who who maybe are you know a little a little lower quality. Uh, I hate even saying that; it makes me sound like such a bad person. <laughs> but I mean, guys <laughs> who, are, who are not maybe quite you know where you'd like them to be, right? In in terms of ability as blockers, or whatever. But maybe maybe you can you know live with that a little bit more when teams have to be a little more cautious, right? They can't just pin their ears back and just be, you know, balls to the wall, up the field, uh, you know, just just blazing, uh, you know, out of the starting blocks on a pass rush where they are like, hey, we, we got to be a little more conscious of our rush lanes. We got to make sure that we don't get too, too far up the field. Yeah, so maybe maybe those things do help mitigate that. I, I, I mean, I don't I don't think it's unfair to say, and, and I hate making Joe Flacco comparisons, but you need a better pass blocking offensive line with Joe Flacco than you do with Lamar Jackson. It's, that's true. I mean, you, you just, you're to keep that guy upright in the pocket. Uh, it, it just, it takes, it takes a better set of pass blockers. Okay. Damn. Anyway, enough said about Joe Flacco. We're not trying to make this a Joe Flacco show. <laughs> or an offensive line show. <laughs> there, there you go. Let's, let's just talk about some areas where Lamar can improve in 2020. Other things, maybe, maybe we'll go like one each and pick some things and, and, and kind of work through it limited amount of time here okay uh well i'll start um and i think i mentioned this on the the 2019 wrap-up show but it was a look forward kind of thing mm-hmm. um take more of the gimmies right take more of the gimmies i think that because of what they do in the run game because of some of the formations they use whether that's you know receivers in a bunch or receivers tight to the formation um you're going to get defensive backs playing off playing you know playing soft and they're going to give you that quick five-yard curl or that quick five-yard out or what? Just take those, right? Take them until they stop you. Take them until they do something different where that's no longer available. You don't always have to go for the kill shot. I know that sounds crazy. Everybody likes the big play. Who doesn't want touchdowns? Of course, they want touchdowns. But sometimes you have those gimme throws, and I think there were there were quite a few of them, in my opinion, last year where 
for whatever reason, it just, you know, he just didn't get to him. I'd like to just see more of those. Take take the bunnies. All right. I'll come. I'll, I'll give you another because I love that one is I, I want a greater comfort with play action, which I think will uh, make him more able to both be an at the line of scrimmage quarterback and a shotgun quarterback. He's almost exclusively a shotgun quarterback. Uh, with with few exceptions uh, in the offense, the way the Ravens run it from the pistol now. But I think if if he could be better at reacquiring the field, particularly in the passing game, after a play action fake where he turns 360 degrees, obviously that's a pass play. But but uh, in terms of reacquiring the field and understanding what's going on on the various routes, quickly identifying that, I, I think that could be an area of improvement for him. That's a good point. I like that one. Um, I'll throw out another one. I might have touched on this one a little bit earlier, but um, I don't think I went too deep on it. Um, we saw the improvement from 2018 to 2019 just in terms of his throwing mechanics, right? What he did with his lower body, um, even what he did sort of with some of the some of the arm angle stuff that people you know kind of got on him at from time to time, and even his grip. Uh, I haven't tweeted this picture out. Maybe I'll tweet it out because um, I DM'd it to a couple of people. But you can see a change in how he grips the football from 2018 through oh, 2019 yeah. and, and now and now into 2020. Um, just okay. Just a real quick thing on this, right? So uh, quarterback coaches will tell you guys who work with quarterbacks in the offseason, like Tom House. That's what I'm. That, that's where I'm getting this from. He said, you typically, you know, everybody has a different style. Everybody's hand has a different shape, but you typically want to try to get your pinky um, under the laces and not over the laces. And the reason he teaches that is because he says he thinks when you get it under the laces, the nose, when you, when you're going to release the ball, the nose of the ball points up and that gives you a tighter spiral as opposed to when your fingers over the laces in his, in his experience, when you go to release the ball, the nose of the ball is pointing down and you have more of that wobble and the ball loses energy sort of on the back end of its trajectory. I think you can clearly see that with Lamar when you go and look at where his pinky is now versus where it was in 2018. That's a super nitpicky thing anyway. Um, but where I'm going with the broader mechanical point is we saw him make those improvements from 18 to 19. Now what I'd like to see is in all situations be more consistent, not just when you have a clean pocket. I think you definitely saw more consistent fundamentals and mechanics in a clean pocket, but when the pocket's muddy, when you're under pressure, when you got to scramble right, when you got to scramble left, when there's a big play opportunity and you're really excited about making that throw because you see it and then things kind of just get frenetic and, and, and you lose it and you miss the throw. Just more consistent mechanics in all situations. Yeah, I, I agree that that's been an ongoing problem for him for two seasons is he's got an automatic on a rollout and he doesn't particularly roll out right seems because he's more he's almost more effective rolling out to the left than I mean we Flacco is like Frankenstein moving to the left it was like oh my god this plays over once he once he moves left you just hope it's not interception couldn't couldn't reset his feet Jackson obviously has the has the quickness to reset his feet uh, and I think through very well going right but when he sorry going left but when he rolled right is when he had a lot of these problems hitting somebody that was a nice easy pitch and catch throw 15 yards and Bruce Arians had a great word for that or a great term for that. He said he tried to hand it to him. You know, it's a guy was 10, 10, 15 yards away and tried to hand it to him. So, uh, yeah, something. And and back to your laces point, first of all, Tom house, that's the guy who caught Hank Aaron's 715th home run still was alive and working. Or is this a different Tom house? There's a guy now you now see you're you're doing you're you're crossing over in the baseball so you know you got me you got me at a disadvantage okay. there but he he did it, it's my understanding if we're talking about the same guy mm-hmm. that he did kind of make his 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 bread and butter as a, as a coach as an off season you know sort of like specialist coach with baseball players first and okay. then he started with guys like Tom Brady with Aaron Rodgers that guy is got to be really old right now because he was <laughs> in the Atlanta Braves bullpen in 1974 so that was 46 years ago. Uh, so maybe you know, I, I don't know if it's he, the same guy or not. <laughs> he's, he's, he's probably at least, you know, 72 or something now. He might be older than that. Uh, so if he's still working, that's that's great. because Dick LeBeau of, uh, of guys. It, it would not surprise me because Houses, I, I read a book of his at one point in the past, and it was a back and forth between an analyst and a and House about pitchers and, and various things. And it was just outstandingly done. It was kind of this like running argument about these things and, and uh, very well done. I'm forgetting the name of the thing. It was a, one of the great early baseball analytics books. And you know but, where I got that from, that tie-in? It's from Lamar's um, 
I guess you call him his personal QB coach, Josh Harris down mm-hmm. in Florida. He said he learned some of the things that he started to teach Lamar. So this this was early years, right? This was before Louisville, just early years working with him uh, in South Florida, um, sort of grade school, maybe even, you know, peewee football, Pop Warner football. He said he, Josh Harris, said he learned some of these things that he, he began to, t- to teach Lamar from going to a Tom House clinic. So <laughs> that's that's where I got that tie in from. Tom House is 73 years old and he is indeed the same guy who uh, was a baseball pitcher and is now at, trains both pitchers and quarterbacks. Wow. All right. Very cool. Now, didn't, didn't put two and two together on that, that's for sure. Uh, I'll come up with one, uh, one new one. I think I'd like him to improve on the field general abilities, general abilities in some meaningful way this year. Now, the Ravens are going to trail more this year because they couldn't have the same kind of set of leads they did. And so he's going to have to do more, obviously, to bring the Ravens from behind. Uh, and by the way, if that doesn't happen, I'm fine with that too. But if he, if assuming he does, and 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 they need to play catch up in some games, I want to see better comfort in terms of running fast or slow, and particularly in audibling at the line of scrimmage. Also, one of the big things that showed up in the Tennessee game, moving in and out of shotgun as the defensive alignment suggests, mm-hmm. and. The fourth and one play where the uh, Titans completely sold out at the line of scrimmage, that was a play where he needed to move into the shotgun. And he needed to, to expand the field some, force them to back off maybe, but but just allow himself a wider cone of potential areas where he could uh, he could make that play on his own, kind of like he did against Seattle out of the shotgun on the fourth and two play. Mm. Well, I'm going to I'm going to piggyback on that one a little bit. And I think this is the last one um, that I have. But it kind of ties into that. Um, just when you find yourself in those situations, like you said, you, you would expect them to be in more situations this year where they're, they're having to play from behind. When you find yourself in that in those situations, all of this poise that we see in every other situation in the game, you know, let's keep that right. Let's continue to show that poise. I think you see it in some areas of the Titans game. Uh, I don't want to go back to the, the Chargers game in 2018. It's his first playoff start, you know, as a, as a rookie. So that's that's a little unfair. But I think you see some tendency to want to press in those situations. You fall behind. Uh, you want to try to get it all back on one play. I mean, all great players do that. All, all great players have that because they have such such, you know, total confidence in their abilities and in themselves. But just, you know, kind of stick with it. Right. Just stick with it. Hey, we're not going to get this back on one play. Stick with my mechanics. Let's stick with my pre-snap reads. Let's go through my progressions. And just, you know, let's just, just kind of maintain that same poise when we fall behind because, you know, you can you can get them back in the game. You can you can you can bring this back, but you're not going to do it by playing hero ball. It's not it's just, it's not going to work. And, and it's not necessary. I mean, if if your offense can do what they did last year and score six six consecutive touchdowns pretty much at will, uh, you certainly, you know, halfway through the the second quarter down 10, you don't need to be too concerned about where you are in the game. I mean, I guess you always need to be concerned down 10, but you, but you know, I wouldn't be uh, flustered to the point of changing everything, the the way the offense is built at that point. So yeah, I, I like that as a, as a, as a reason, let's move on to, to, to 2020 in terms of expectations for this year, because I have only one cautionary note about it, but I'd like to hear maybe what, what you would consider a win for the Ravens in terms of what Lamar accomplishes this season? I think it's obviously unrealistic to expect him to set another QB rushing record. Let me start there. Uh, I, I don't know that he can do anything uh, more, or I'm sure there's always room to do a little more, but it's just hard to imagine anything he could do more uh, in the running game. Uh and even as a passer, I mean, he was 36 touchdowns to lead the league. He's very efficient uh, with the opportunities that he had last year, uh, particularly in the red zone. But I think that you can, for me, I, I expect um, probably a little bit of an expansion of the passing game. I mean, great. Look, you can go back and look at Greg Roman throughout uh, his history, and 
He's always been near the top of the league in rushing attempts and near the bottom of the league in passing attempts, no matter where he's been. <laughs> it's just a consistent thing with his offenses, with very few exceptions. Uh, I think that's the way he wants to play. So I'm not saying they're going to they're gonna turn around and, and become, what was that year the Ravens led the league in pass attempts of 2015 or something like that? I don't know what it was. I'm not saying they're going to flip around and be that all of a sudden. But I think we'll see a little bit more of an expansion of the passing game. That could, you know, should translate into more yards, more catches for guys. Uh, I don't know if it's more touchdowns or not, maybe. Um, but I think just that little bit of of an expansion um, to try to open that part of of their offense up a little bit more because everybody knows, you know, as soon as they, they get off the plane, as soon as they, they come out of the tunnel in their home stadium, everybody knows they want to run the ball. So, uh, you know, I, I'd like to see just a, just a little bit of an expansion there. Right. I, I I actually really like the fact that Lamar has a lot of little areas of improvement. Roman has mentioned it. You know, a lot of these these offseason interviews, I don't put any stock in the things that are directly said. For example, we heard from both Harbaugh and DaCosta that Bozeman was going to get a shot at center this year, or that certainly seemed to be the way it was talked about, that it was his natural position. They went through the entire discussion. They even mentioned McCary's name. And then the first photo you see of the ones lining up in training camp as McCary at center and Bozeman at left guard. And, you know, honestly, that may have just been a function of they knew Skuro was going to pass the physical, now that I think about it. And so that they they really just said, okay, Patrick, go in at center because you, you need to get some reps while you can because yeah. Matt's going to be coming back tomorrow and, we you know, we need to get him back in there. So it, it could be something like that. But, but anyway – the cautionary approach I want to take is for all the folks out there who are saying he was 22, he's going to be 23, or he's you know, approximately correct in terms of the ages, depending on when you want to calculate the season's age. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that you can expect improvement. Normal aging models, absolutely. You'd expect improvement between those ages for just about any player. But he's not just about any player. He's coming from one of the greatest seasons in NFL history offensively, arguably the greatest. You can't project a normal rate of improvement onto that because he's not the one with all the makeup ground to do. He's not the one who can react to the way defense has played him as a rookie and say, I can beat that, and I can beat that, and I can beat that, and I can beat that. He already did beat that. <laughs> and now you're asking him to do it again and do it more. Uh, so it's it's really not realistic, and and I th- I hope all of that is measured. But he could be a hundred percent of the quarterback he was, or a hundred and five percent, and still have ten percent worse statistics or fifteen percent worse statistics. And you know what? That would be fine. That would give the Ravens a real chance to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I like I like that analogy too. Like making up, I I think about like a race, right? What what has to be made up? I mean, he he's built this lead, right? And now it's it's everybody else that has to try to catch up. Right. You can't when you've built this lead, I guess you could say well, you could build a bigger lead. Right. But it's, at some point, it's, the lead is the lead. Um, and, and, and really, any 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 gain is going to come from the people behind you more so than how much further you get out in front. Um, but I think I, I like I like that point and I agree with it. Um, I, you made it for me. And I guess it's because I, I tried to learn so much about technique and sort of some of the nuances of the game that I feel like that I'll see improvement. From that standpoint, it's not necessarily going to translate into statistics, I don't think. But I think I'm going to see things from a technique standpoint, from, you know, the pre-snap game that we talked about, um, maybe, you know, in terms of how he gets to certain progressions and and, and gets through coverages a little more quickly. I, I feel like I'll be able to see that. And that could could be really significant, right, in terms of the improvement that, it, that you see there. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to translate to better numbers. And I, like you, I, I just hope that um, you know, people don't misconstrue that and 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 look at it as some kind of huge regressive step backwards or something like that. Because I, I don't think those are mutually exclusive. You can improve in all those little nuanced technique areas and have a little bit of a, a, a dip statistically, but doesn't mean you got worse. Yeah, I very much agree. And, and this season is going to be an unusual one. We project because of COVID and because all of the possibilities, we've already seen what's happened to the baseball season. In terms yeah. of the stop-start nature, I mean, the Cardinals had played only five games coming into this weekend the entire season so far. So they were, you know, way behind the rest of the league in games played. Uh, I hope 
there won't be anything like that with the football season because I don't know that you can really make up games in a football season in any meaningful way. Maybe you can make up one, the tack on an extra year, extra week at the end of the season for make up games, but I don't think they can you know start making up multiple games per team at any point and and really have that work. So um, uh, it'll be interesting. Hopefully this season goes off. The Ravens are certainly loaded. Lamar is a big point of that. And I, I certainly hope we don't get it, uh, uh, lose the season at some point to this horrible virus. No, no. We, we've already seen, uh, was it a guy out in Seattle trying to sneak a, a woman in to the hotel? <laughs> <laughs> right. That was stupid. Yeah, I mean, it's just just as, as idiotic as that is, just in an, in and of itself, just from a team rules standpoint. But then when you broaden out to the to the COVID context and the the risks that you're not only exposing yourself to, but the rest of your teammates and then their families, you know, all all of this, um, you know, you, you're right. It is just it's something that I I hope we don't see. And I, I really like what the Ravens doctor uh, said about it, uh, where he said, you know, I, I think we'll start the season. I hope we finish the season. Um, I, th- I think that's probably, probably the perspective that I, I share right now, too. All, all signs are pretty positive right now. When you look at all of the things that are being reported about the number of tests they're conducting and uh, the number of, of positive tests and, and you know, sort of how low those numbers are. And that's all you know, very encouraging. Um, but you know, if, if they're not going to take the bubble approach that, say, the NBA has, has taken, obviously there's some different risks involved with that approach. So. It's going to be interesting for sure, like you said. All right. Well, Michael, pleasure having you on again. I, I, we need to do more of this, buddy. That's all I can say. I, I, every time, I, I'd love to talk for another hour about various things, but we have to make this content not totally uh, <laughs> uh, out of the realm of people listening to on a, on a, on a substantial drive here. But uh, thanks yeah. for coming on again. T- tell people where they can find your work, what you're writing, working on these days. Yeah, thanks for having me again, Ken. You're right. I'd, I'd definitely like to 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 get back and and do this some more. And hopefully, I haven't made this too much of an audio book uh, for people. <laughs> but uh, you can you can pretty much find me on Twitter. Uh, I'd say almost exclusively uh, these days. I'm at Abukari A B U K A R I. Uh, kind of got back to some of my my roots with how I started to engage with the Ravens football community. Just tweeting out clips tweeting out links to, uh, you know, playbooks or, uh, you know, X and O's resources, that kind of thing. Good, you know, technique, uh, things from coaches, just trying to share things as I learn things and, and, and trying to learn from others as I interact on Twitter. So that's pretty much where I am. All right. Some of the greatest gifts, the most well-explained stuff you'll see from Michael uh, on Twitter. Highly recommend his material. Uh, the thing I've always been impressed about, Michael, with you is how committed you are to self-improvement with regard to how you look at film and how you're able to manipulate it uh, and other things you've tried to do as well in terms of to try and take that next step in analysis. Always imp- uh, impressed with that and always a pleasure, of course, to have you on the show. Thanks again, Ken. That's a great compliment. I don't know what else to say. I'm going to leave it at thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For other folks out there who want to do a film study short, contact me on Twitter at Film Study Ravens or by email filmstudy21 at verizon.net. And uh, we'll get you on pretty quickly. I just need about three bullet points. Nice focus topic. And we'll get right down to it. We obviously had a lot of new guests. Appreciated meeting all these great football fans out there uh, who want to have their say and, and love to talk football with you when you get the chance. Till then, talk to you next time on Film Study. Birdland Sports. For fans, by fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com. 
Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.